Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we're going to preview the San Francisco 49ers versus the Los Angeles Chargers, including can Justin Herbert play hero ball once again, or will this be a game where San Francisco can continue to roll after the bye week, get another win, get two wins in a row, and get back to the ground and pound offense we all know they like to run. But first, we have to discuss the biggest news of Thursday, November 10th, and it's not good news. It's actually very unfortunate news, to say the least. And that is, Jason Verrett suffered a torn Achilles at practice on Wednesday, and the team announced on Thursday that he was going to miss the remainder of the NFL season, and... It's heartbreaking. I mean, I'm not Jason Verrett. I'm not an NFL athlete or a professional athlete. I know very little of what it's like to suffer not one, but two, three, four, five catastrophic leg injuries. I mean, Jason Verrett, in his nine years in the NFL, just nine, he has suffered three, or excuse me, including college, three torn ACLs, And now two completely torn Achilles tendons. I mean, the initial thought was, no way. Like, that's not true. It's one of these fake Twitter verified people now and just messing around, which isn't very funny, but okay, whatever. But then the team tweets it out. And you're like, oh, this is real. Like, this is... (laughs) It's hard to even put into words as to, to how, like... I was sitting at home saying, not, not Verrett. And while you want it to happen to nobody, I think everybody can agree. It's like, not Verrett. Like, out of everybody who's been hurt in the past, in the future, is going to get hurt, who is hurt now, having Jason Verrett, who the team loves, the coaching staff loves, I think everybody, including the fan base, was rooting and waiting for Jason Verrett's return because this fan base, this team, this coaching staff knows when he's healthy, he's one of the best corners in football. So seven of Jason Verrett's nine seasons in the NFL have ended on injured reserve. The other two, a Pro Bowl berth in 2015 and in 2020, he was one of the best corners in football and also got in a Pro Bowl nod or or close to being a Pro Bowl player as you can be without being voted one. Like Jason Verrett, m- my heart goes out to him because 
as someone like him, a first-round pick who slid in the draft because of injury, battled back from injury, proved himself, proved to be one of the best corners in football, and it's continued to just be hammered and hammered. I mean, Verrett has literally given almost a decade of his life just recovering from injuries. And it's it's just, it's kind of befuddling as, like, that messes with you mentally. Like, my mind thinks of not only does his physical body, it must ache in pain, or at least the, the constant grind to have to, I can't wait to get back on the field, not stay on the field, right? And he's gone through that for almost a decade of, I can't wait to get back. Once I get back, it's never have been, has been for Verrett of, you know, I can't wait to go out there next Sunday. It's, I can't wait to go out there next year. And that's just, it's devastating. And I won't lie to you. I'm not the most empathetic person in this world, but seeing someone dedicate themselves to whether it's a sport or their job, career, hobby, whatever it may be, seeing that go unrewarded. Like, I don't know about you, but I work in a field where the grunt work is sometimes not rewarded and it sucks. You struggle to get through day by day. It's why so many people get depressed or give up their careers three, four years in because they go, I've, I'm not getting anywhere. The amount of people I've seen leave my job because they can't get to the next level has been, it's been countless. And to see someone like Verrett continue to go through the constant grind, the pain, the mental aspect that I don't know how he does it. Like I was talking to a friend today and I said, I'm not sure how he gets out of bed in the morning to know that rehab once again, like rehabbing has been the majority of Jason Verrett's NFL career, physical therapy, working off to the side, not playing on Sundays. Like Jason Verrett, I get the paychecks high. I, I, I get it, right? He's one of the few athletes to be given the opportunity to play in the NFL. Totally get it. But to see that as a player, knowing that your progress, the process, the long, strenuous process you've gone through is not going to get rewarded. When you are... <laughs> For the first time this season, leading the cornerback room out during individual drills, Jason Verrett got hurt his first practice leading this cornerback room out in individual drills. I mean, you cannot make up the un and misfortunate career of Jason Verrett. You just can't make it up. It is something that deserves to be told. Like, his story needs to be told. Because despite the injuries, it is one of triumph over the physical ailments he suffered. I mean, Jason Verrett, one of the nicest people, the the team will say that, the coaching staff will say it, George Kittle, Jimmy G, Debo Samuel, Kyle Shanahan, Michael Ryans, like they've all said, watching him get hurt again sent a shock through the practice field, in the locker room, it was devastating. To see someone day in, day out, put in the work, the grind, the effort, the long hours that nobody sees that are never rewarded in life. 
see his end game be the exact same result with, which made him go through that process i mean i can complain about my job you can complain about your job but at the end of the day and i don't know your story but i can say i'm about to be 26 years old i am currently in the best shape of my life have recovered from a minor knee injury and have my physical health intact outside of some bumps and bruises here and there. Jason Verrett can't say that. And I get he's older. He's a premier athlete in the NFL. I get all that stuff. But that doesn't change the grind. That doesn't change the mental fortitude you have to have to continually battle every single day. Like, we know the NFL is one of, if not the most brutal sports in the world. Rugby, maybe. Some others I don't know about, <laughs> right? But football is, at least in America, the most brutal sport day in, day out. And that's why there's so many rules and regulations as to what you can and can't do when you can and can't wear pads. And unfortunately, none of that matters when it comes to Jason Verrett, he was hurt non-contact. Like, Jason Verrett's body has given out on him multiple times. And it, 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 it sucks to see that because you can see the talent, but more importantly, you can see the person behind the talent. A lot of times we forget, and, and I do it too sometimes, like, if there's an athlete on an opposing team I don't like, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, he has an ankle injury, whatever, right? But in reality, the, the response should be, man, that sucks. I don't want that person to get hurt. And I understand there was always going to be a risk. I've talked about it plenty of times. How can you rely on Jason Verrett to be your number one corner in 2021? Like, that was a big conversation. Many podcasts, the media, sports radio, writers all said, how can you bet on that guy? But changing the perspective, that guy has been betting on himself the last seven of nine seasons. And almost every single time that bet's about to get cashed, the rug gets pulled out and he loses all of his money, all of his wages. Like, this would not surprise me if this is Jason Verrett's last go in the NFL. Now, he put on Instagram saying, like, look, life gives you lemons got to make lemonade, life gets tough, you got to get stronger, essentially. That's obviously a, a very shorter and compact version of what he said. And what Verrett's gone through might prepare him to continue to work hard at it, and kudos to him. But my mind, it's kind of been on him throughout the day because, I mean, athletes are people. Athletes are people that, you only see the work they put in on Sundays, Thursdays, and Mondays in the NFL. You don't see the process, the work, the injuries. That's the that's the reason why the offseason is so valuable. That's the reason why Trent Williams gets like every other day off during training camp and practice during the year. Because their bodies go through so much pain, and that's just football. And to see someone someone like Verrett who, and this is just the mind-numbing thing about it, and we will get into the game, I promise you this, but to know that San Francisco could have activated him 
against the Rams in week eight and decided to play it safe and said, no, we're going to give you the extra two weeks to stay healthy, prepare your body, and make sure you're extra ready for the Chargers game to get you ready for the team that essentially let you go because of the injuries you had, to give you, quote-unquote, while not on purpose, the timing was just right, give you your revenge game. And Jason Verrett was essentially a day and a half away from making that a reality of Friday being your easier walkthrough kind of day and Thursday being your final practice before hosting the Chargers on Sunday Night Football, your primetime return where you likely play opposite of Mooney Ward on a defense that is near the top in the NFL with Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Jimmy Ward, Talanoa Hufunga, and Demeco Ryans leading the way on a team on the precipice of making their second half run. And a day and a half before that can be reality, your leg, your Achilles says, no, not yet. Not your time yet. You thought you're wrong. And I just, I just wonder, and I, and I hope that Jason Verrett knows that the near decade he spent essentially recovering from injury, that he made it. He is a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback, or was a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback during his career. That Jason Verrett can lay his head on his pillow at night saying, I made it. I went to college, TCU. Got my degree. Got drafted in the first round. Played nearly 10 years in the NFL, with that salary, with the opportunity for his kids and his wife and his family to never have to worry again about money. You made it, Jason. You made it. You have, if you want to stop fighting now, by all means, you can stop fighting. And if you want to keep going, you have a fan base, or at least in myself, a fan in you. Because... Nobody should have to go through that over and over and over again. And I just hope he knows that he doesn't have to continue to keep working hard. He can say, I'm done. And everybody will understand and say, that makes sense. Have a great retirement. You made it. But I, part of me thinks that Verrett's going to continue to fight. And continue to keep going and going. And by all means, I want to give Jason Verrett any luck, any good juju I can toss his way. By all means, if you want to try again next year, I hope you make it back out there. And if it's on this team in 2022, 2023, whenever it is, if it ever happens, I hope he gets the loudest cheers, the biggest response, and I hope he kills it. I hope he shows the entire world that despite three torn ACLs and two torn Achilles that he overcame that. Uh, Transitioning from a rather serious topic into the game itself, I I do want to kind of stick with Verrett for a second because I do wonder that how does this affect the team? And I kind of said it earlier, 
where I believe it was Debo Samuel, maybe Demeco Ryans, who said that when the injury happened, we haven't felt that kind of, I guess, sadness, that kind of, you know, gloom, for lack of better terms, in a long time. That that feeling that your heart got ripped out kind of permeated through the entire locker room. And for a team who essentially was ready to go, thinking we're getting healthier, right? We're getting Debo back. We're getting Juszczyk back. McCaffrey's here. You know, Jimmy Ward's going to get healthier. We're getting Trent Williams is here. McGlinchey's back. Like, you're feeling pretty darn good about your team coming out of the bye week. We beat the Rams. We're 4-4. and We're not where we were last year. And then, boom. And you're just like, oh, uh, okay. Like, I don't know about you, but myself, I can speak from my own experience. I know what it's like to to feel like you've reached something or in a relationship, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. And then a split second later, it's over with. And you're like, I don't know what to say. I have no words for what just happened. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All I know is I'm sad and I have no idea how to respond. And I do wonder that, and I, it's tough because I feel like this team has been through so much injury-wise, has been through so much up and down, left and right, roller coaster ride. Almost every year they've been good, right? And even the bad years have been the same thing. But I do wonder that there's only two ways you can take this or react to the injury. It's one, you can take the route that the 99 Broncos did when Trell Davis went down or the route that the 2011 Chiefs went when Eric Berry tore his ACL where they were 10-6 and six and then cratered. And your mind is mentally not there. Now, the side I think they'll return to or at least choose is let's go win this for Verrett. Now, last year, different story, but it was very much, let's win this for Jimmy. In 2019, it was, let's win this for Joe Staley. Now, we know that none of those stories ended, I guess you can say, with the happy ending. But when it comes to finishing the season, I think this team will choose. But I, I just do wonder that there are now two, two storylines. There are two roads to travel. Does this injury mentally suck the life out of your team? Momentum is gone. Or will this give you more inspiration on Sunday against the Chargers? To say against that guy being Jason Verrett's former team, we're going to go out there, we're going to kick their ass, right? We're going to go out there and prove to them, prove to the world, and go out there and beat them for Jason Verrett. To let him know that we're his boys. That he's been here since 2019. 
And he's only had one healthy season. And in that one year, he showed us that he's still got it. And despite the injuries, we still got him. And I do think that's where this team is going to choose, or that's the angle they're going to choose. So with that being said, let's dive into this game on Sunday. And I do want to let you know that if you want to go to this game on Sunday or see this Niners team against the Cardinals at Mexico City or their three home games, or actually even the road games, the two they have this second half of the season, use promo code 49ersaccess at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself $20 off at your first purchase, again, at SeatGeek.com, using promo code 49ersaccess. Okay, are you ready to preview the San Francisco 49ers against the Los Angeles Chargers? Because for all the talk of injuries San Francisco has, and we get Jason Verrett, and, and there are other serious ones, Eric Armstead, Likely not going to play on Sunday. Again, that's a big loss to have. Uh, Samson Ebukam, he hurt his Achilles, I believe, week four, maybe against the Falcons. Uh, he's That's still lingering, but also he hurt his quad a day after practice, I believe, on Monday or Tuesday this, pack, this past week. So he's also unlikely to play on Sunday. Could play, questionable, maybe leaning towards doubtful, but if Ebukam can't go... And Armstead can't go. Those are two of your best run stoppers thus far this year. And we know when one of those guys doesn't play, that being Armstead, how different this defensive line plays against the run. And with Ebu come out, Drake Jackson, Amenahue, uh, maybe Jordan Willis, if, if, he, if he can come back in time, who knows? But if they can come back, uh, it might change some things. But no Ebukam, Armstead, uh, those are two big losses on the defensive line, but all the talk of San Francisco's injuries, which are serious, the Chargers, I could argue, have worse injury history right now, at least to star players. This Sunday, the Chargers are likely to be without the following players. Keenan Allen, he's a hamstring, hasn't practiced all week. Mike Williams, ankle injury, has not practiced all week. Joey Bosa, the other Bosa brother, the older one, the 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 bigger bear, <laughs> he will not play with a groin injury on IR. J.C. Jackson tore his ACL earlier in the season. He's not going to play. Rashawn Slater tore his bicep. He's not going to play. Their left tackle and their right tackle, who has not been great, Trey Pipkin, will also likely not play on Sunday. So for all the talk of minor injuries, the Chargers have, if not equally as bad, I can argue, to more pivotal positions Two starting receivers, your best defensive lineman by far, your best cornerback who, okay, well, I'll say maybe your top paid quarterback because right now Asante Samuel Jr. is playing pretty good. Then you have your two starting tackles, your anchors, they're not playing on Sunday. I mean, this should be a game where, again, on paper, San Francisco has the edge. But even when it comes to statistics, that also leans heavy towards San Francisco. So let's start with the Chargers' defense. Where can San Francisco exploit L.A.'s defense? So L.A.'s defense currently ranks number 10 in DVOA against the pass. That's pretty good. You're a top 10 defense against the pass in football. Pretty good, right? 
Well, there are cracks in the armor because the Chargers defense right now currently allows 31.7% DVOA on first down passes. That ranks 28th in the NFL. Essentially, they are, what was that, the, 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 the fourth, the sixth worst team in the NFL when it comes to first down passes. Now, I am fully expecting Jimmy Garoppolo to throw a pick to Asante Samuel Jr. in this game. He did it in uh, in, in shared practices last, last year in training camp. So I'm assuming it's going to happen again in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a pick six. That's just me maybe being a little more uh, sarcastic and, and some could argue realistic towards Jimmy G against this Chargers defense because it does seem at times that Jimmy can struggle against some of the worst uh, defensive or defensive teams against the passive football. And with the Chargers, I do think that he will still have success, but I would not be surprised if Jimmy does have a few, but likely one of his oh no throws. But I digress. Uh, but I do think in this game that while San Francisco, and we'll dive into it in a minute, will elect to have a run-heavy scheme, a run-heavy game plan against this Chargers team, which is pitiful, awful, disgusting, horrible, whatever adjective you want to use against the run, they are that. But I do think that the way Jimmy has played this year and the injuries that Los Angeles has, despite them still having Khalil Mack. But no Joey Bosa. No J.C. Jackson. Yes, Derwin James, but I hate to break it to you, a safety can kind of be schemed out of the game. When it comes to pass coverage, where you target plays, like, look at what the Niners do against the Rams, or at least have done at Levi Stadium against the Rams. Screen passes, short plays, let those receivers eat. You want to take guys like Derwin James, Khalil Mack out of the game? That's the game plan. That's how you eliminate some of your opponent's best defensive players. You make sure they cannot make a play in coverage or on a ball in the air. And I do expect this Sunday, San Francisco to deploy a very similar uh, passing offense as they do against the Rams. That being said, I do want to point out that if I asked you who are currently the three best quarterbacks on third down this year, who do you think they would be? Uh, Patrick Mahomes, okay, okay. Josh Allen, okay, okay. That makes sense. Uh, who do you think number three is? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> That's right. Jimmy Garoppolo. And... I think the fan base is finally kind of turning a corner on Jimmy, at least for, we know who he is, but right now he's playing very well. So let's, you know, let's not give it, and it's funny because I put a, a, a an Instagram post out on our Instagram feed, and one of the comments was, don't give him too much credit. That's when he messes up. And I said, well, what's the bye week? So he can do whatever he wants, <laughs> right? And so... Maybe I'll keep that in mind. Let's not give Jimmy too much credit, but let's give him the credit he deserves currently in that he's been really good. And I do think because the Chargers right now and have been all year so bad against the run, 
what let me ask you what does that do for san francisco what is the one thing that they have not been able to do successfully a lot this season successful running the football leads to what play action passing this offense has primarily been in shotgun whenever they pass or even when they run this year i think this is a game where they can get back to that ground and pound play action offense with some of those quick outs screen passes mixed in to keep los angeles's defense honest now because they're running uh the chargers defense is so bad against the run it ranks 28th in football per dvoa against the run they're gonna have no joy bosa no austin johnson i mean this chargers team is so bad against the run they are allowing 5.7 yards per carry the worst in football once an opponent gets to the second level they're averaging 1.55 yards per carry that ranks second worst in football when a receiver a running back whoever is running the football gets to the open field they're averaging 1.32 yards per carry that's dead last in football this year they're allowing two yards before contact so they're just giving you two free yards i mean jimmy g quarterback sneak is getting two free yards but then you add you add in the after contact yards four yards this team is giving you four yards after they make initial contact to you they are essentially giving you almost six yards per carry six free yards every time you elect to run the football they have also given up the ninth or they've given up 19 rushing touchdowns this year that ranks 22nd in football and here in hear this very clearly the chargers defense has allowed at least at least 131 rushing yards in five of their last six games the niners in this year have three games of at least 153 rushing yards one of the games that we point to they didn't have that falcons and chiefs and the only reason why in those two games they did not have 153 rushing yards they were either behind and needed the pass or shanahan elected to after a fumble let jimmy just take control of the offense the run game is gone jeff wilson jr tevin coleman you ain't getting the ball anymore you ain't getting the rock well this sunday that's not going to be a problem because this Niners rushing offense is averaging 4.5 yards per carry. Now, yes, that is 18th in football, not a great number, but compared to the Chargers 5.7, it's a lot, lot better, right? But I do think what needs to be pointed out is that in Christian McCaffrey's first game against the Chiefs, limited playbook, 4.8 yards per carry against the rams mccaffrey's first real game of action first full playbook at his disposal right san francisco averaged 4.8 yards per carry but mccaffrey himself averaged 5.2 yards per carry so it's not like where san francisco has struggled 
or the games they've struggled in, they have the same personnel. Chiefs game, you had McCaffrey for one half, half the playbook. Falcons game, it was Jeff Wilson Jr. and Tevin Coleman, and Shanahan said, you fumbled, you're done. McCaffrey so far this year, who is going to be RB1 in this game, ranks 6th in scrimmage yards, 881, and 2nd in total receptions by a running back. This game is going to be a run-heavy, ground-and-pound, control-the-clock, but with that said, the Chargers' defensive line woes, the Chargers' struggles against the running game of their opposition will give San Francisco the advantage to, even in the ground-and-pound, control-the-clock style of game they're going to want to play, they can still be explosive. They're going to have those explosive plays under their belt ready to be deployed. And the Chargers will say, go ahead, <laughs> come right in. We stink against the run. You might as well do it. So this game is not going to be, you know, this Jimmy G against Justin Herbert. This game is going to be McCaffrey against the Chargers defensive line, their linebackers, and how good our offensive line plays. Now, this Niners offensive line is not or has not been good in the running game. And if San Francisco, if their offensive line continues to struggle against or continues to generate some holes for their running backs, that is an area where I do think that despite how bad LA has been against the run, that could prohibit San Francisco from deploying the game plan they would like to do on Sunday Night Football. Like, there, there's a real chance that despite how bad LA's been against the run or despite how much better uh, the Niners have been with the run, with McCaffrey, that there could be a time in this game where it's 10-17, San Francisco's up, but LA steps up and for two or three drives, the game plan doesn't work. And this game is tight, down late. Like, I would not be surprised if this game is 20 to 24, and San Francisco's defense has to step up. Simply because that it's not I, it's not that I don't trust Trent Williams or Aaron Banks. It's that I don't trust Brendel and Burford, despite me giving Burford the Offensive Rookie of the Year award in my midseason assessment. It's just that this year alone they have struggled. Now, how much of that is, you know, no Elijah Mitchell... Jeff Wilson Jr. instead of Christian McCaffrey, instead of Mitchell, all of that plays a factor. And on Sunday, well, this is why I do lean towards San Francisco having a much larger advantage when it comes to the running game, is that it's it's Christian McCaffrey. Then it's Elijah Mitchell's back, who is a 4.7 yards per carry player in his entire career. Then it's Kyle Juszczyk's back. Then it's Debo Samuel's back. Like, San Francisco is going to have for... The first time all year, all season long, their entire offensive weaponry on the field at the exact same time, right? Kittle missed the first two games. Mitchell got hurt in game one. That didn't happen. Now CMC's here. He didn't play or he was you know, half playing, played one half against the Chiefs. Then Debo got hurt. Then Debo didn't play last week. And then Mitchell didn't play. Check didn't play. But now this week alone, 
Well, this week is the first week they're going to have Jimmy G, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, Elijah Mitchell, and Christian McCaffrey on the field at the exact same time. I mean, that is... You talk about an opportunity to make some noise. You talk about an opportunity to kind of send a message to your opponent that but the players you have, the style of football you like to play, you know, pound or, or ground and pound, run first, control the clock, play action. Now you have the weapons finally this year to do that. You haven't had it all year. I like Jeff Wilson Jr., He's a good running back in case someone gets hurt. He can be kind of a change of pace, breath of fresh air running back. Not a starter. Right? Five yards of carry this year. Was having a good year. But he's not CMC. He's not Mitchell. He's not Debo. He's not check when it comes to how important he is on the ground game. But I think an even more important stat is since 2019, Kyle Shanahan's teams, their offenses, have averaged 166 yards on the ground. Again, since 2019, after the bye week. Now, in those three games against the Browns, when they had a bye week in like week three of the NFL season, like what the heck? They won 31-3 to in 2020 against the Rams. 23 to 20. That's with Nick Mullins, I believe. The loss to the Colts in 2021, we know what happened. Rain, Jimmy G's thumb, the, 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 he wasn't right. We know that. Like, there was a reason why this team lost in 2021. That being said, if that's the outlier, then that's fine. And I do think it is. I do believe that 2021 was the outlier post bye weeks. For this Niners team, because if you're telling me this team is essentially, well, not guaranteed, but essentially it has the this standard of averaging 166 yards on the ground. And I think Kyle Shanahan, as most teams do, as most players do, as most coaches do, they use the bye week to kind of reset how they want the team's identity to be. And this is a game where Kyle Shanahan is going to say, well, we can be what I like our team to be. Run first, play action offense. And that feeds into every player's strength. Now, what I am worried about, and it's a small nitpick, I hope it doesn't happen, but... And I'm only worried about it, I'm only worried about it, excuse me, if it if it makes the, or if it kind of closes off the offense, if that makes sense. So one of the bigger things that I think everybody's taken away from this year is that despite missing throws or despite missing some receivers or them dropping passes, that Jimmy G has been more open to throwing the deep ball, has been at least looking downfield more. Not enough sometimes, not top tier, but more. I mean, he completed his first pass of 30-plus yards all season <laughs> last year against, or last week against the, or two weeks ago against the Rams. Like, Jimmy G has, at least this year, shown that he's he's open to slinging it a little more, right? 
on 95.7 The Game, one of the hosts says, let Jimmy jack it. Now, a little pun in there, a little something dirty in there, but you get my point, right? Like, Jimmy has shown the ability, the want, the desire, and Kyle Shanahan has designed some plays up to let Jimmy jack it, right? And so I do hope that because Shanahan can reset the offense, and if they win games, if they're more successful, if they score more points, who cares, right? Just win games. Score points. If the offense becomes a fluid machine, then forget everything I'm saying. But what I don't want to happen is, is that I don't want that part of the offense thus far that's actually been the better part of the offense this year, kind of a, a new a new leaf to Jimmy Garoppolo's game, a new wrinkle that I think has kept not all, but maybe some defenses honest, where if he's willing to throw the football, you can't stack the box. And if he can beat you deep once or twice, then that's a house call. It's big money, right? And so I, I do hope that despite the offensive reset, which I think will come, despite this this, this run-heavy scheme, play-action scheme, I believe they're going to run on Sunday against the Chargers, I don't want them to neglect the this new wrinkle to Jimmy Garoppolo's game. Why can't they play hand-in-hand hand is my point. And I do fear that if if things go the way Kyle Shanahan wants, we know he can be a little rigid, that, that that may be kind of put on the back burner. But I do think that you can utilize that, and I don't want this new wrinkle, this, and I can even argue, new, new positive part of his game to go to waste because he may need that down the road, and if you don't have it or you utilizing it consistently, you forget things. Most memory goes away, right? Like... And, and, and I, I do think that it's important to realize and, and fully utilize your offense. You have the weapons now. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> Why not do everything? Now, each game will be different. Each scheme, each opponent will be different. And we've talked about how, you know, this script Kyle Shanahan makes, I just hope that in that script somewhere, there is still that willingness to let Jimmy give you a deep ball here or there or give him the option, which they've always been there, but I don't want it to kind of become, you know, let's get back in the box a little bit because right now Jimmy's playing the best he has since 2019, and I can argue the best he has ever since being here. His rating right now, he ranks fourth in football. Or, or six, excuse me, at 100.2. 100.2. That's the best it's been since 2019. Like, Jimmy's playing at least up to par with that quarterback that we all said, he's our guy, until the final game of the year or that Packer game in the playoffs. Like, I just don't want it to be get back in the box, know your role. Because on the opposite side... They have a head coach in Brandon Staley who is incompetent, doesn't know what he's doing, and he just lets Herbert do whatever he wants. Now, they're not a great team. They have injuries. The offensive line is inconsistent, I'll say. And their offense, again, no no Allen, no Mike Williams. They're, 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 they're relying on Austin Eckler, who is great, and Gerald Everett, who right now is killing it in fantasy, but by all means... He's not in my top five of tight ends, but he's playing that way because he has to. 
they have to rely on Gerald Everett, who is a possession guy who is giving you less than one touchdown per game, but will likely finish with, you know, 668 catches and like 700 yards. Like he is essentially, he has been right now their best offensive receiving weapon outside of Austin Eckler. But Justin Herbert, despite not having Allen and Williams and Jalen Guyton, he's slinging it, man. I mean, they're losing games, but he's slinging it. And they have a better record than San Francisco does, but he's still slaying it, right? He is the Chargers call pass plays 65.4% of the time. That ranks second in football. Justin Herbert is throwing nearly 44 passes a game. Like me and you talk about how, you know, Jimmy's little bubble is like 20 to 27 passes a game. You know, don't get outside of it, right? And I get Herbert's an, an elite quarterback. May lack the it factor, but he's up there. He's top 10 for sure. Top 8 for sure. Maybe even top 5 on a good day, right? Like, Herbert's one of the best in football. I just think what's around him is not that great. The head coach is not that great. But I do think, despite Los Angeles' willingness to let him sling it, despite... Staley's desire to put the game on Herbert's shoulders day in, day out, week in, week out. There is something to Herbert's game that I do think mirrors what the Rams have done this year. Now, another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We know how bad this Rams team is. Three and five. Maybe it makes those wins against them a little different in my mind. It might because the Rams are kind of falling apart like the Cardinals are, right? Just, there's a debacle there. People are hurt. Players are pissed. But I digress. What did San Francisco do against the Rams in Week 4? They didn't allow them to throw a pass or complete a pass over 20 yards. Now, I get it. You had Emmanuel Mosley and Mooney Ward, but it's not like the Rams didn't have Allen Robinson and nearly the exact same personnel they had two weeks ago. It's very similar. But Justin Herbert, this year, in his last three games against Denver, Seattle, and Atlanta, I could argue mid, maybe upper tier defenses, depending on, you know, run and pass, but... Pretty good defenses, I'll say. Not amazing, but good enough to be in the middle of the pack, right? I mean, heck, two of those teams beat us. <laughs> so I shouldn't be judging them, right? <laughs> but that being said, Justin Herbert on passes 15-plus yards downfield in his last three games. 29% completion percentage ranks 30th in football. He's averaging 6.3 yards an attempt on passes 5-plus 15-plus yards downfield. That ranks 30th in football. 
He has a 43% off-target percentage. That ranks second worst in his last three games in football. And to prove my point even further, Justin Herbert this year is only completing 4.3 yards or air yards, excuse me, 4.3 air yards per attempt this season. That is the second lowest figure in football. Only ahead of Kyler Murray by .3 yards. Now, I get it. No Keenan Allen. No Mike Williams. You have Eckler being your number one receiver. You got Gerald Everett, who he's a good tight end, but he was nothing in Los Angeles for the Rams. He was nothing for Seattle. And he stepped up big time, and I get it, but he ain't Keenan Allen. He ain't Mike Williams. And the, and the Chargers may say that they don't have the weapons, and Herbert was averaging 5.8 yards air attempts last year. But I hate to break it to you, it doesn't matter what you did last year with the weapons you had when this year, Week 10, on Sunday night, you're not going to have those weapons, and this ain't last year. So this Chargers offense, despite not having Jason Verrett, Despite not having Eric Armstead, despite not having Samson Ebukam, who are all going to be missed on Sunday if all three of them do not play, I do think that this Chargers team is going to heavily rely on, you know, six-yard passes, seven-yard passes. They're not going to be slinging it. They'll take their shots for sure. But right now, Herbert's only completing under 30% of those shots. So if you can, those shots are going to come, they're going to take them. We know that. But I do think that there is a, there's a chance here for San Francisco to keep everything in front of them in this game. Trey Greenlaw's back. Al Shire's supposed to play. Fred Warner's still there. Jimmy Ward is probably going to be in the nickel. We'll see. But if San Francisco can just keep the plays in front of them, so much easier said than done. But I do think that if they can just keep the play in front of them. Now, look, guys like Everett, possession guy, not a big yak guy, but then you have someone like Austin Eckler who is he leads the NFL in receptions for receivers or for running backs, excuse me. He has 60 so far, 60 this year. And uh, the Niners, you know, the the prospector they put out had him at 66. That leads the NFL for, for receptions by a running back. I mean, he has 10 touchdowns this year. I mean, Austin Eckler, by all means, is essentially their Christian McCaffrey. The difference is, is that McCaffrey can average 5.2 yards on the ground. Eckler, 4.3. And he's getting almost 20 touches a game around there. It's like 19.8 touches a game, whatever it may be. And he's giving them almost 100 yards per game. So, and the beautiful thing, and again, I hate injuries, but you ain't got Keenan Allen, you ain't got Mike Williams, and you're telling me I can just zero in on Austin Eckler? I mean, come on. And I know the Falcons lost. I get it, the Broncos loss, those suck. But it's not like Herbert is a mobile quarterback. Despite having mobility, 
he isn't a Marcus Mariota mobile style quarterback that usually gives San Francisco fits. Now, they should have won that game. But Herbert will rely on his rocket arm he has, and he's going to want to pass the football. It's unlikely that he is doing read options left and right. That being said, you can just put a QB spy in there and say, look, if he's going to run, <laughs> we'll let you run, essentially. Like, please run. Justin Herbert, if you're going to elect to not use your arm, thank you. You're helping us. And so... If I'm San Francisco, I, I, I'm I'm seeing 20 touches per game for Eckler, passing and rushing combined, almost 100 yards, averaging nearly, nearly around, you know, five, five yards per target, four yards per rushing attempt, and over almost two touchdowns or, or 1.3 touchdowns a game this year. Like, he's been their star. Now... You do what any defense would do and say, hey, stop this guy. And I wouldn't be surprised if, because Keenan Allen's not going to be out there, that they elect to have Austin Eckler be in the slot. That they say, hey, to you utilize our strengths, we're going to do a lot of shotgun, a lot of eye formation, you know, single back stuff, right? We're going to put Eckler in the slot. That way we can utilize a smaller running back, really, but a smaller slot receiver against someone like Jimmy Ward, who I guess got the cast off finally, but you know could still be hampered by that cast, or against someone like Demo Lenore, who has shown at times there can be some inconsistencies, and someone like Eckler might be the guy to exploit that. So, and, and this is a game where if you're the Chargers, they're pumped up, all the reporters are saying they're ready to go, this is the most hype they've been all year, but this team also barely beat the Raiders. They lost to Kansas City. They gave up 38 points to Jacksonville. Gave up 37 points to the Seahawks. I mean, barely escaped the Cleveland Browns and almost lost to Houston. Now, again, I'll say it plenty of times today, in the past, and going forward. It doesn't matter what you did last week. What have you done for me lately? And right now, I think a lot of that leans towards San Francisco. The Chargers barely escaped Atlanta. And look, I get it. Chargers beat the Broncos and they beat the Falcons. They beat teams or they've given up 163 rushing yards, right? That's incredible. But they're averaging 19 and a half points in those games. 19 and a half. Their offense is averaging 22 points a game this year. And they don't have their weapons. And San Francisco has not just one, not just two, not just three, but they got four, five, and six guys on, on their offense that can hurt you at any given moment. And I do think another area where, and we'll end shortly here, but I do think that one area where I think many fans get misconstrued is yes, this Rams offensive line is not good. Not good at all. And not having Rashawn Slater out there at left tackle, that hurts. He's their anchor. He is one healthy, one of the best left tackles in football, despite only playing one year in the league. But they're also 
this Sunday may play a practice squad player at right tackle <laughs> because Pipkin's out and their backup right tackle is not playing good. He's not hurt. He's just not playing good. They may bench him for a practice squad right tackle. But I do want to give credit to Jamari Saylor because he replaced Rashawn Slater and since being moved to left tackle. Five games, 253 blocking snaps, zero sacks allowed, PFF's highest graded rookie offensive lineman, and he's one of three rookies this year to not allow a single sack this season. And in fact, in the last three games, the Chargers have allowed, or their sack percentage sits at 3.21. Their sack percentage this year, 2.77. Guess what? That's the lowest in football. Like, teams are getting to Herbert. They're just not getting sacks on Herbert. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like the, the, the Chiefs thing. Now, I think Mahomes is better than Herbert. We know that. but And he's more mobile than Herbert and is more willing to use his legs than Herbert. But Herbert is a smart player. And he's someone who, despite Nick Bosa, who's averaging one sack per road game in his last like 17 games, whatever they are. And someone like Drake Jackson, who has three sacks, hasn't got one since Atlanta, but he's up there towards the rookie lead. Like he's going to be hungry and you will likely have a Menahue and you know plenty of other guys on this team ready for sacks. If I'm San Francisco, I'm doing what they used to do with K1 Williams. You want to get to Herbert, Nickel blitzes. And Hufunga's great at this, right? Hufunga, play in the box, safety blitz. I think that there are going to be a handful of plays where I think that is going to be, you know, pivotal, pivotal plays. Excuse me, pivotal plays. I can't talk. It's late. I'm tired. It's 11.06 on Thursday night. I watched that awful Panther Falcons game and I'm ready to go home. That being said, I do think there are times that or Demeco Ryans is going to have the ability to utilize Hufunga, Jimmy Ward, even Lenore, who have shown the ability to excel in blitz packages. And I do think having Al Shire back and Greenlaw back in pass coverage can allow them to utilize those blitz coverages again. And then you add in Nick Bosa, who, I mean, you put Nick Bosa against a practice call right tackle, I mean... I mean, good luck. It's Nick Bosa. And I, I do believe if Nick Bosa gets a half a sack on Sunday, the Bosa brothers, who Joey's not playing, but if he gets half a sack on Sunday, it will be 100 career sacks for the Bosa brothers in the NFL. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, And, and you're telling me it's a, it's a backup left tackle who, despite how good Sailor has been, Nick Bosa, <laughs> Nick Bosa ain't the Falcons. Nick Bosa ain't, you know, Nick Bosa ain't Seattle's defensive line. He ain't, you know, Bradley Chubb in Denver, and that's a good player. He's better. He's <laughs> better than all those guys. I mean, he's on par with Miles Garrett, and I can even argue Nick Bosa at certain points is better. And I think this year at least has been better than Miles Garrett. 
And you're telling me he's against a young right tackle, practice squad player, and a rookie left tackle? I mean, good luck. But even then, flip it, right? And you say, well, it's Drake Jackson against a rookie right tackle and Drake Jackson against another rookie against himself and Sailor. It's not as if, like, the injuries San Francisco has could easily be offset by the injuries the Chargers have. Where I think against the Falcons, where maybe me and some fans disagree with the injuries there, but against the Chiefs especially, right? You can see that plenty of their guys were hampered by the injury bug, and that cost them. Well, this is a game where because L.A. is so banged up and the injuries that the Niners have may just play a minimal factor. Now, the Armstead one is big. Against the running game, it's big. Like There's a good chance that you know they just go Eckler and Spiller and say, hey, Herbert, do you do you, but like San Francisco can't stop the run. And I do think that this is going to be a game where Demeco Ryans is going to have to pull all the stops. This ain't KC, it ain't Atlanta. I think the Chargers are much easier to scheme against than those teams. Simply, and, and I hate saying that because I can argue personnel-wise, they're much better than Atlanta. And we saw it tonight against the Panthers, my God. Mariota's butt throw. And against the Chiefs, the Chiefs are far better, but it's... My point is, is that Herbert is so good, Eckler is so good, that what they do offensively runs through both of them, and even despite how good you can scheme against them, they're still going to get theirs, no matter what. But because Allen's not playing, William, or you know Williams ain't playing, Slater's not playing, backup right tackle, I just think that this is essentially two stars against... Fred Warner and All-Pro, Dre Greenlaw having the best year of his career, Nick Bosa, maybe Drake Jackson, maybe Ebukam, who knows, we'll figure out later in the week, but then Mooney Ward, who the groin injury might still hampering him, we're not sure yet, but Jimmy Ward, no cast, Hufanga's playing great, and I think a defense that's hungry and motivated. I mean, Fred Warner literally said, and you know, words are meaningless unless you back it up, but he literally said, that the question was, hey, Fred, if, if we told you you were 4-4 four and four at this point this year, how would you feel? I'd be pissed. And I think that's going to feed them. Even the Verrett injury, I don't want to get into again. It might be a cheap kind of inspirational thing to kind of get you going, but I do think it might play a factor this Sunday. And so I'm going to say San Francisco wins this game 30 to 24, it's going to be close. I do think this game does or will come down to a defensive stop by the Niners. So 30-24, that's the final score. That rhymed and I hated it, but here we are. <laughs> that being said, can't wait to watch this team finally play again. It feels like it's been forever. It's been so long since this team has actually played a game they're going to play that thing on Sunday night football, the bright lights at Levi Stadium against the Los Angeles Chargers. If you need tickets to that game, you want to save some money, use that promo code 49ersaccess at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase again at SeatGeek.com. Also, 
it's the holidays, folks. If you want to buy your friends, your family, your lady, your mans, whatever you're into, if you want to buy them some Niners gear, use our Fanatics link down in the description. You can save yourself some money while supporting the podcast. It's a win-win, right? Why wouldn't you want to do it? That being said, you can also follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is our unverified non-Twitter blue (laughs) Twitter account. Wow, Twitter's a mess. (laughs) Twitter is just, it's a mess. But until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast, and stay faithful. Stay faithful.